This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. I want to talk to you for a few minutes on a passage out of the book of Acts. If you watch my devotion on Wednesday, you kind of got a glimpse of this thought process. And as I began to prepare for today, I thought I was done on Wednesday with this thought. But as I began to prepare, the Lord kind of pushed me a little more. And we're going a little deeper as we kind of look at this. I want to look at Acts chapter 27. And I'm going to walk through most of this story. So if you're at home and you've got a Bible there handy... Go ahead and keep it open. I'm going to read a passage of scripture really quick that's in the middle, and then we're going to go back and I'm going to walk through this. So Acts chapter 27, verses 22 through 26 says, but take courage, none of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more... God, in his goodness, has granted safety to everyone sailing with you, so take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he had said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. You need to kind of understand some of the translation there in that, where Paul's talking about his experience from the angel, and he said that the angel appeared and said, Paul, take courage, you're going to be alive because you will surely stand trial before Caesar. It's not just that you surely will. It's not a negative connotation for Paul. It's you must. It's part of your destiny. It's part of the plan for your life that you have to stand trial. You're going to live through this because you've got to make it to the next place. It's, it's not a, you need to understand it's not a negative context where the angel is, is telling Paul, you're going to stand trial, Paul. It's not like that. He's encouraging him. You're going to make it through this because you've got to get to the next place. And so we, we need to start... At the beginning of chapter 27, I'm going to walk you through this just a little bit and kind of tell you this story. Paul has been in prison, uh, and it's interesting to me that the guy that uh, himself was imprisoning Christians, he himself was going and dragging people out of their homes for serving God, is now has found himself in prison because he's had this radical change, this radical experience with God. God blinded him. He's put him... um, under a a different mindset, under a different heart. And he was once Saul. Now he's been made Paul. Uh, He's gone through a whole name change and all kinds of stuff. God's radically changed his life. And now the guy that was once putting Christians in prison is himself now in prison for preaching the gospel. He's gone through several different trials and he stood uh, before before Festus and before Felix. And now he said, I need to get to Caesar. If you'll let me get there, I can, I can work through this and I want to stand before Caesar. So he, he's, going to, he's put on a ship and they're supposed to sell off to Rome. And that's kind of where we pick up. Verse 27, when the time came, we set sail for Italy. And Paul's there, he's got several guys with him, and, and they, they took off, and they had planned to make these stops all along the journey. This is a business ship, it's got a purpose, it's got a plan, there's a route that it's going to take, it's carrying cargo. They're going to take stops, and they're going into all these different ports, it's the plan, and they make it a good ways. And in verse 7, it says, but after several days of slow sailing, after great difficulty... We finally near, neared uh, Snidus, but the wind was against us, so we sailed across Crete and along the sheltered coast of the island, past the Cape of 
Salmon. We struggled along the coast with great difficulty and finally arrived in Fair Havens near the town of Lasea. We had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. And Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. You got to understand the timing of this. The timing was terrible. It made no sense whatsoever for them to be sailing this late in the year. They should have been hunkered down. They should have been wintered down, if you will, in a port somewhere to stay there to weather out the storm, to weather out the winter, and in springtime, they could have got back on their boat and went on, but they didn't. So Paul shows up and he says, hey, listen, I'm just telling you, this is a terrible idea. This is not a good idea for us to push forward. I'm, uh, something's going to happen. I got a bad feeling. We're going to lose the ship. We're going we're gonna to be shipwrecked. We're going to have these problems. And they said, no, we're pushing on. We're going to go our way. We're going to do our thing. We're going to do it when we want to do it. And, and this is how it's going to be. Now, I've kind of thought through this a lot over the last couple of weeks, and I've researched this story and this passage of Scripture extensively over the last little bit. And I wondered uh, so many times I've thought back through this, and I thought, you know, isn't it like you and I? And even the church, if you will, go with me for a few minutes today, and let's put this in perspective of the church. Um, if you're not part of the church, hang on to the end, and I promise there's something for you in this. But isn't it just like us as the church for years? We've kind of gone our own way. We've done our own thing. And, and sure, we've attempted to follow the leading of the Spirit. We've attempted to do what God would want us to do for the church. But look at where we are. Look at where we are today, not just here in the United States, but worldwide. We're in this pandemic where things have broken out and this is just kind of going crazy and it's almost like our way and our timing did not work it, it, we've come to a screeching halt in the way that we were doing things as we knew it and so here this this leader this uh the soldiers and even the the ship owner the captain they said no we're going to push forward we're going on and so they go on and they set sail and and, and they get to this place and finally in verse 13 it says a light wind began blowing from the south. The sailors thought they could make it. Here's the deal. Storms don't typically just come out of nowhere and all of a sudden blow everything to smithereens. If a thunderstorm's rolling in, typically you see a black cloud coming off in the distance. There's some kind of sign. There's some kind of warning sign that takes place. And these guys get this light wind that shows up, but yet they, they said, oh, we can make it. We can keep going. They pulled up their anchor. They sailed close to the shore of Crete, but the weather changed abruptly. They had a light wind. They should have realized the timing's terrible. This is not a good idea. We're doing this for our own benefit. This is not the way this is supposed to go, but we're going anyway. The light wind abruptly changes, and now a wind of typhoon strength called a nor'easter burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors in verse 15 couldn't, couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. You need to follow me for a moment. Here they were. Paul is just, is just on this journey for the ride. He's just trying to make it to Rome. He's a prisoner. He's there with other prisoners, and he's just trying to make it from one place to the next, and now he's found himself on this ship with these guys that are determined they're going to do what they want to do, how they want to do it, when they want to do it, because they're following procedure. They're following the business order. They're following the line of what's supposed to take place, and now here they are. A light wind has blown up, and now it's turned into this nor'easter, and now they're left out to sea with no control whatsoever. I don't know about you, but so many times in my life, I've made decisions that have put me out in the middle of the sea where I had zero control and I was left up to the elements. My life at that point was, was just left to toss and turn and I had no control and it was like no matter what I did, now I am, I'm up to the sea to kind of guide me and that's the place that they find themselves. 
the sailors are preparing for the worst and it was typical for them to take ropes and put them around the hole and them try to tie the ship together, if you will. They would tighten it up and, and the hopes were that if they hit something and as the, the waves and the wind battered the boat that it wouldn't break up, but they could keep it tied together tightly with ropes and they begin to prepare and it says they lowered the anchor uh, to the sea and they tried to slow the ship. They did everything they could to slow down the process of what was going to take place. Verse 18 says, the next day as gale force winds continue to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. They're to the point now that they're losing their hope. They're, they're losing their efforts. They recognize that they're trying to do anything they possibly can. The next day they begin to, to throw over the gear and, and then the, the sun is blotted out and all of a sudden it's dark for days. Verse 21, no one had eaten for a long time and finally Paul called the crew together and said, man, you should have listened to me in the first place. Don't you love that guy? I told you so. And that's Paul in this moment. He says, you should have listened to me, but you didn't. But since you didn't, this is what's taking place. And that's the passage I just read to you. Take courage. None of you are going to lose your lives. Even though you've You've now landed in this place of uncertainty, even though the thing that's keeping you above the ocean, uh, the above the ocean is, is now kind of disintegrating beneath you, even though you're throwing your cargo, even though you have no, um, you have no gear anymore, I'm telling you, take courage that no life is going to be lost. For last night, an angel of God came to me and he says, it's not about you, but God's got a place for me to get to. God's got a destiny and you're not going to lose your life because you're on this ship with me and God's got a plan for me to make it to stand before Caesar. God's got great plans and I've got to get to my destiny. I've got to make it to that destination so you can hold on and you can rest. We're going to lose absolutely everything. We're going to lose the cargo, the ship's going down, we're going to lose it all, but your life will not be touched. Verse 27 said about midnight on the 14th night of the storm as we're being driven across the Sea of Adria. At midnight, on the 14th night, you talk about a dark, long, lonely place. It's at midnight of our situations that we tend to give up hope. It's at midnight that we, we're, we find ourselves crying out, God, I don't understand what in the world I'm in this situation for. Two weeks doesn't seem like a long time, but you got to understand, these guys are so messed up, they're not even eating. For two weeks, they fought the waves and the wind, and they don't even know where they are. And finally, at midnight, the sailors sensed that land was near. They dropped a line weighted, they tie a weight to the end of a rope and they drop it down off the side of the boat and when they felt it hit the bottom, they would come back up, they'd measure to realize how deep the water was. And they begin to do this and then they did it again and they realized it's 120 foot deep and now it's 90 foot deep. We're getting closer to the land and so they begin to prepare. And some of the sailors, they wanted to abandon because the easy thing to do is to get off the boat. They lower the lifeboat and they begin to get in and Paul said, hey, uh, I'm just saying, you're all going to die unless all the sailors stay on board. The soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. And Paul just kind of calmly, I, I can't 
really imagine what it would be like. But you know, there's always somebody that in the midst of chaos and in the midst of a storm, somebody says, listen, it's okay. It's going to be all right. It's all right. Just take a breath. And you want to take that person by the neck and strangle them. I think that was Paul in this situation. He said, listen, you ain't ate in two weeks. It's time for you to get you something to eat. And what's, what's important to note here is he took some bread in verse 35 and he gave thanks to God before them all and broke it and he ate it. That is very closely resembling what we now know as Holy Communion. Now we don't know it. It was traditional for a good while after Jesus was here on the earth for them to take communion with every meal. But here's what you need to see. Paul took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all. And then the very next verse says, then they were encouraged and began to eat. Paul's thankfulness in the middle of the storm encouraged the people around him. I, I think about me, and I'm not, we, we don't have to, to really think about you. You think about you. If I'm in the middle of a storm and I'm being battered and beaten on every side, I, it's, it's not necessarily easy for me to take a step back. I'm not the guy that's going to be calm and cool and collected and tell you, it's all okay. But maybe we're missing it just a little bit because Paul's thankfulness gave them courage and encouraged them to eat. I wonder how many people have looked at the church during this season and they've seen, I, I hope, that most have seen uh, us new creative ways to do ministry. They've seen the ministry being done totally different ways than it's ever been done before. They've seen people reached that have never been reached. I saw a statistic this morning that there's like 7.7 billion people on the face of the planet and at this point, like 4 billion of them have cell phones and have internet access. The, the way that we will reach the unreached people groups now is gonna be a totally different way than it was before. We're seeing it unfold before our very eyes where we're, we're getting the gospel to people that have never heard the gospel before. And Paul's thankfulness in the middle of this situation, his thankfulness, his heart of gratitude, God, thank you, I bless this. His heart of thankfulness encouraged them and they followed suit. We've got a choice in the middle of the situation of whether we sit down and waller in the moment or whether we we give thanks to the Lord in all things. And as we give thanks to him, the people around us are encouraged. What's interesting, is after, what's interesting is in verse 38, after the crew ate, they took all the wheat and they threw it overboard. They ate and now they're done. So now they've thrown their cargo, the gear, and now their food is in the middle of the sea. Verse 39, when morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay with a beach. And they thought, if we can just get there. So they cut the anchors. They left the anchors in the sea. What took place then was the boat began to, to move at a different rate of speed, and they hit a shoal, and it literally took place before they thought it would. And Paul said, some of these men need to go ahead and swim. The other ones begin to float on debris and they made it to the shore and what they find out when they get there when they were safe on shore 
They had no earthly idea until they made it there where they were. You need to understand that. They did not know where they were at until they made it to the shore. They learned that they were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind. It was cold and rainy. They built them a fire. They welcomed them. And Paul, trying to be a helpful guy, you know, that calm, cool, collected, it's all all right, we're on this island. Paul, trying to be this guy, he goes and gathers some wood. He throws it on the fire and a snake comes out and bites him on the arm. Really? As if things were not bad enough. We just lost our ship. We, lost, we just have sailed across this ocean in this storm. We dealt with this nor'easter for weeks. I get here, I'm trying to do something, and the snake bites me. The people all looked around and they said, you didn't get the justice you deserved on that boat. You didn't die, so now the gods have sent another way to kill you. Here's the thing. Paul was anointed. And Paul had a destiny. The people around him couldn't see the destiny. The people around him didn't understand. And so just like people do, they begin to talk. Something bad happens and they assume, oh, that's the death of him. But in reality, he stood there and he shook the snake off and threw it in the fire. And they waited. They waited for something to happen. They waited for him to swell up and die. Rather than understanding, hey, there's something special about this guy, they waited for him to fail. I'm tired of people waiting for us to fail. Why not encourage each other? Build each other up. Lift each other up. Stop waiting for the person beside you to fail. They realized he wasn't going to die, and they said he must be a god. And then this is where it gets interesting. Because near the shore, verse 7, near the shore where they landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. It's believed that he may have been the first one put there, the, the first Roman officer there to, to rule the island, to take care of everything. Whenever it was first taken over, he was the one in charge. And he took them to his estate and he let them stay there for three days. And while they were there, his father was sick. It's, a, it's believed, the scholars believe he had Malta fever, which comes from contaminated goat's milk. And he was sick and he had, he had fever. He was in the bed and the Bible says that Paul went in, in verse 8, prayed for him, laying his hands on him and he healed him. Let's gather this whole thing back together. Paul wasn't even supposed to be on Malta. That ship was headed for Rome. He was supposed to be standing before Caesar. Now due to a shipwreck, the loss of everything they had, he almost lost his life if it hadn't have been for the soldiers saying, no, nah, I think we need to keep Paul. I think we need to keep the soldiers. They can help us. If it hadn't have been for that guy that encouraged, hey, let's not kill these guys. But it put him in a place where now the, the, the head of the island, his father has now been healed because Paul's found his way by happen chance to Malta. It's not by happen chance. He had to go to Malta. Because what takes place then is 
Your Bible says that in verse 9, then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. All the other sick people on the island came and were healed. Do you understand? There was an island. If you look at an atlas in the back of your Bible, it's this little bitty speck. Malta is nothing. But there's people on Malta that are hurting. There's people on Malta that are broken. There's people on Malta that have no hope whatsoever. There's people on Malta that are going through some stuff. All the island people were healed because Paul had landed on Malta. So here's kind of where it all ties together for us. I asked the Lord to kind of give me some thoughts. The cargo had to be thrown over. There was an agenda for the ship. The Bible says there was plans for them to stop into several ports. They were hauling cargo as a cargo ship. The cargo had to be removed. And see, I think that this, the storm, this pandemic, and eventually we'll quit talking about it, and eventually we'll quit preaching about it. It'll be in the history books. But you and I are living through this moment, and I don't want you to miss an opportunity to see what God wants to do in you and through you and through this situation. What feels like this hopeless and dark situation that we're, we're finally making our way out of, we, we feel like we're pushing forward and we're kind of getting to a place where we're moving on from the situation. It's a shipwreck. We've been battered. We've been beaten. We, we've been tossed out to the sea. And I believe that God's used it to, to push us to throw some things overboard. Some things that we've been carrying, some weights that we've been carrying, our own way of doing things. They threw the, the gear overboard. They no longer had control of the ship. The baggage, the things they were carrying around, the, the cargo represented those things. They were done away with. The gear represented the direction. It got to the point they're just left up to the wind. They're left up to whatever happens, happens. We're going to trust God. We're going to believe that Paul is who he says he is and that his God is going to save us and protect us because God's God, Paul has to stand before Caesar. The gear's gone and now it gets to the place where they've even thrown their food overboard. I don't know about you, but this has pushed so many of us to rely on the provision of God. And maybe God had to take us through this storm as a church, as a people, as individuals, as families, to get rid of some junk, to get rid of some crud, to, to, to release our hands, our control of the way we want to do things, the way that we want to control things. And maybe he's even pushing us to rely on him for our provision. It ain't coming from your job. It ain't coming from the paycheck that's coming to you. You need to recognize that paycheck comes because it's a gift from God. The provision is now off the boat. It doesn't matter anymore. The, the lifeboat that the sailors did their best to get on, they wanted a way out. They wanted to get off. Some storms, you just got to ride out. 
There's some things in life that are not meant for you to take a way out. They're meant for you to stay on the boat and your life is going to be preserved because you stay with the boat. They cut those ropes to that lifeboat and they watched it drift out. All hope from them getting off that boat and their mind was gone and they were completely relying on God taking them to somewhere else. Their, their one and only chance, their plan B, that lifeboat has now been cut. It's been severed. There is no plan, no plan B. God is plan A and you've got to walk out plan A. They had to ride out the storm. And then they get to the place where they see that the end, they recognize that there's a bay, there, there's a beach. They got to get to that place and they cut the anchors and they leave the anchors laying in the sea. The things that they had been trying to use to control, to slow down that boat, the things that had been dragging them back to try to maintain control, they released them, they cut them, and they left them laying at the bottom of the ocean. Because there's things in our life that have got to be severed that are pulling at us and they're controlling us and they're directing us. And they've got to be cut. And they need to be left at the bottom of the ocean. because there's revival to take place on Malta. I believe that we as a church, not just this body of believers, but the church, the church of Jesus Christ has an opportunity to step into revival. I, I, I struggled, I wrestled through the night last night of rest for revival and, and the Lord kind of was working with me with this thought process for for this morning, rest for revival, and even all the way driving in this morning, I, I contemplated this thought. Paul said, men, you need to get you something to eat. You need to be able to sustain when we get where we're going. I don't know about you. I haven't sat down in a restaurant to eat in two months. We've been eating good around my house. And we've got over the thought process that we don't like to clean up after we cook and we get over it and we clean up. And I don't want to go back to a place where I want to go through drive-thrus all the time and I want to go in a restaurant all the time because I've had what's good. And I feel like I'm rested. This season that was meant to kill has made me feel alive. All of the sick people on the island were healed. A place that they were never by their standards ever supposed to go to. You and I would have never dreamed we'd be sitting in the middle of a world pandemic. You've got things going on in your family. You've, you've got things that are taking place on, on the job. You've got things that are taking place in your marriage that you never dreamed you'd be sitting on the island of Malta. But God's got a plan. And on that island, there are people that need you. There are people that might wouldn't be healed. They might would not be touched if you hadn't have made it there because you shipwrecked on their beach. But you're there. So don't miss the people of Malta that need you.
I believe that revival is going to break out on Malta. We don't have a record of Paul preaching. We don't have a record of him saving these thousands of people. We don't even have a record of him starting a church. But he brought healing. It might not be this huge, miraculous It might be that people receive healing through you on Malta. God's got a plan. Paul had to get to Caesar. Your life is already in the destiny of God. You're going somewhere. God's got a plan. Whether you stop at Malta whether you stop in Fayetteville, whether you stop in Dunn, whether you stop in Benson, I don't care if you go around your elbow to get back to your thumb. If God says you're going to your thumb, you're going to your thumb. So embrace Malta. Let revival break out in Malta. See, God's provision was already in place and the Bible says that, that after all the people were healed, after the time went by, the island of Malta blessed Paul and the sailors with everything they needed to make it to Rome. Nothing was lost. They were put back on God's timing. They ate, they were taken care of, and now they've got everything they need to proceed. Yet all the while, they did the will of God in Malta. I don't know what Malta looks like for you, but I pray that revival would break out in that place. Maybe you don't know Jesus today and you say, I'm completely lost to this whole mindset. My life feels like a shipwreck. My life feels like I'm out in the middle of nowhere and I'm just kind of floating along and drifting along with life. All hope is lost is exactly what the Bible says those guys faced. If that's you today, I'm telling you, it's okay. Because God wants you to be a part of his plan. God wants you to recognize that there's a destiny, there's a plan, there's a purpose for your life. And you're okay because you've got to make it to that destiny. I want to pray for you. If you don't know Jesus today, the Bible says all you got to do is believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord. He died and he rose again for your sins. And God can save you. He can change your life. I want to ask you to just pray a prayer with me. Father, I recognize I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I need forgiveness of my sin. I'm on this ship out in the middle of a sea being battered and broken. Life just feels like it's hopeless. And I need you to take control. I believe today, God, that you gave your son Jesus to die on a cross and he rose again. And he gave his life for me. And now I give you mine. Change me, make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. I wanna pray for everybody else. You're in the middle of the sea. Maybe you've already arrived at that island. You ain't got a clue what in the world you're doing there. I promise somebody needs you to be thankful in all circumstances and they're gonna be encouraged by you. Somebody's looking for healing. 
And God's placed you in that place to bring them healing. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for every person under the sound of my voice. God, they found themselves in the middle of the sea being beaten and battered and broken. God, they've had to throw things off to the side. They've, they've got rid of some cargo. There's some, some gear that needs to be thrown off the boat, Lord. They need to cut the lifeboat and get rid of plan B because there is no plan B, God. You are plan A and you are the only plan. We need to cut off some anchors that we're trying to use, the things that are pulling us back and they're weighing out us, God. We need to cut them off and leave them laying right in the middle of the ocean. God, I pray you encourage your people today. I pray that you give them peace and understand that your word is true and you're faithful. And if you've given us a destiny, Father, if you put something on their heart, you're going to follow through and you're going to carry them there. If they don't know it yet, God, I speak it into their life right now. There is a plan. There's a purpose. There's a destiny for their life. And Malta won't be the destruction of them. Father, there's people that need to be healed on Malta. And I pray that you open our minds and our, our eyes, God, to see those people, God, that we would recognize You've put us in that place for a reason. You're going to protect us, God. We may lose everything around us, even the ship under us, keeping us afloat may, may sink, God. But our life is going to be preserved. And when we push forward, God, we are then a blessing. And you've already got somebody waiting to give us everything we need to push forward into our destiny. God, but let us take the moment and rest, God, in this season for revival on Malta. Father, I pray blessings on your people. God, I pray that you bless them, that you keep them, Lord. God, you give peace. I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. <laughs>